So imagine you're retired, okay? Now, whether you retired at 60 or 65 or 55, irrelevant for this example. You have retired, and now you're wondering, how much money should I have that's just safe so no matter what the market does, you don't have to worry? If you're spending time with family, if you're going on trips, you know there's enough set on the side so that you can live the life you want to live knowing you have enough growing for you, outpacing inflation, so that you in 20, 30 years from now is happy, but at the same time, you're able to live comfortably today without going, oh my gosh, if something happens in the market, am I not going to be okay? Am I going to run out of money? And so today, I'm going to walk you through that framework of how much money should you have in just call it safe assets. Now, I always, if you know for a while now, if you've been listening for a while, I should say, I always go through the review of the week. Today, I'm going to do a little bit of a different approach. The reason for that is that I have an ebook, and a lot of you have already known this and you've downloaded it. I have two ebooks out. I have one on just the complete guide to an early retirement, and I have another that's a complete guide to health insurance for an early retirement. But when you download my first ebook, just the complete guide to an early retirement, I ask you, what's something you're so excited to no longer have to worry about once you have retired early? Now, I did a YouTube video going over the hundreds of responses that you guys had submitted for that, but I'm just going to go through a few fun ones as of late because I want to go through early retirement content that's helpful. At the same time, a lot of you are still a few years out from that early retirement, and because of that, you need that inspiration to, okay, why am I still doing those 401k savings? Why am I doing the Roth IRAs? Why am I making sure that I'm, I'm kind of sacrificing parts of today so that in the future I can live this life I want to live? And by the way, if you've heard my podcast enough by now, you know, I don't want you to do that. There's that con- common phrase of FIRE movement, financial independence, retire early. I don't subscribe to that. I'm part of that financial independence, recreational employment. So my definition is a little different where I don't want you to be going, oh my gosh, I'm going to get to this perfect date. And then at that date, my life shifts. It's what can we do today to start living that way? And sometimes there's not much because you have to be in that job. And I recognize that. Other times it's, no, I can make a few shifts and maybe not in in giant waves, but can I do small shifts today that will make it a little bit easier every day until that date? And then life's even better from there. So Here are a few of those responses, and I will always be anonymous. So if you put your name and then put a comment in there and you say, oh my gosh, I hate my boss, Jack, or whatever it is, I'm never going to say that on the podcast. I know a lot of you had concerns about that. No need to worry. Now, this comes from someone who says, I can't wait to no longer have to attend unnecessary meetings. The next one comes from someone who says, this is a funny one, I never want to sacrifice time with my wife so I can go make money. I feel like I haven't gotten enough of my true wife time in recent years. And so what they're really referencing is it's one thing to have your spouse. It's another thing to say, hey, I really feel I'm getting real quality time with them. And the reason I'm laughing is uh, quality time is my partner's love language. And so I need to do a better job of that myself. Um, The next one here is stay working for a company I don't like, even though they pay me well. I like that one a lot. Don't stay at a company just because they are paying you well. It's kind of easy to hear that on paper. But in this example, this person is saying, hey, I can't wait to no longer just be here truly for that paycheck. And the last one I'll leave you with comes from one I got yesterday. And this says, um, I can't wait to no longer have to worry about peeing and I'm not a teacher. And that joke is because I put out a, a newsletter a while ago and I had talked about uh, someone who says, yep, Ari, I am a teacher and it's just so hard to find time to pee during my day. And because of that, I, I can't wait to retire. And so this person um, obviously saw that newsletter and said, hey, I also want to be able to go to the bathroom without worrying and I am not a teacher. So those are the four 
five quick responses there. Now I want to go into today's topic. And today's topic is, like I said, how much safe money do you need throughout retirement? And and really, how do you think through this? That's the bigger thing. So you're going to have, you know, living monthly expenses. Just what does it cost to be able to groceries, gas, things like that? Now, on top of that, you're going, okay, I have to manage. Maybe you have multiple income sources. Maybe there's going to be Social Security, but it doesn't start for a little bit. Maybe there's pension income, and it starts right away. Maybe it doesn't have a cost of living adjustment. Maybe you're hearing all of that going, Ari, that's all foreign to me. I don't even know what you just said. I just have my investment portfolio. doesn't really matter where you fall. The framework's going to work for you because you're all going to have taxes at some point. And some of you are going, Ari, I'm not going to have taxes because I have a really good strategy to protect against that. Awesome. Maybe we do have very little in taxes, or maybe we're doing strategies to make sure we don't pay a lot in taxes. I like it. Here's the framework I want you to think through. So ignoring all of that, monthly expenses, multiple income sources, taxes, I've said this on previous episodes, my job is to simplify your thinking. There's a ton out there to worry about. I don't want you to worry about a lot of things that I think a lot of you might be worrying about, and the reason I know that is my clients tell me they worry about it until they started working with us. So The first thing that I want you to go through, what is the big question here? We hear a lot about how do we manage a portfolio well. What I don't think a lot of people talk about is how do you incorporate the cash and short-term assets into that? And how does that change? Which is the big thing. How does it change from the way that you're invested right now throughout your early retirement years and beyond that. So how should your portfolio change to reflect that? Because you guessed it. And a lot of this is self-explanatory before I go into my deep dive which is, yeah, you're working today. A lot of you are. Maybe you're 55. You've got a few million bucks, but you want a little bit more cushion and you just, hey, all right, I'm not ready to pull the trigger yet on that early retirement. Or I've got consulting part-time income. I'm ready to do it, but I just am going to stay where I am for now. I say, great. As long as you're adding more dollars, it's easy to ride those waves of the market because you don't really care. You're able to support your income needs through your W-2 income or if you're self-employed through your income or whatever is the way that you pull income today. Now, the reality is once you retire, you have to become your own employer. You are sending your own income. So in this way, sometimes if the markets do well, I'm telling my clients, hey, you're your own employer. Give yourself a raise. The market's done well, almost like getting a bonus. In other years, if markets aren't doing well, it's almost like, hey, the company's not doing well. Can we scale back on some of these trips or experiences or some of these things just temporarily until that storm has weathered? And if you don't, it's not the end of the world, but it's, hey, we might be leaving a lot on the table when we do that. So here is the easiest way to think through all of this. Hopefully in five to 10 minutes from now, you're going to have a lot of peace of mind when it comes to understanding how much you should have in safe assets. So the first thing I ask people, say, why do you have each account? They go, Ari, it's kind of a dumb question. I have my Roth IRA. I want it growing. I've got my emergency fund and you know I've got it over here for emergencies. And, and they go through an outline of what their accounts are. And so another way to ask it is, what if you didn't have it? Meaning, what if you had everything in one account? You know, if you have a 401k, why do you have it? And you might say, Ari, it's because I want the employer match. And I like the way it just automates my investing. I don't have to worry about doing it. It comes out of my paycheck. I say, great. Once again, what if you didn't have it? Well, you'd be doing savings, but maybe it's elsewhere. Maybe it's in a different account. So why am I even bringing this up? Well, the reason I bring this up is if we go to cash reserves in an early retirement, really any retirement, what's the role of your emergency fund? Well, most people will say it's because an emergency happens. Maybe you lose a job or your car dies or there's a big medical expense. 
And so I'll say, okay, where's your emergency fund today? And they'll say, Ari, it's, it's with my checking account or it's with my savings account. And so it's not really earmarked for an emergency, meaning mentally it is from a mental accounting, but it's really easy for them to spend it down because it's just in that same account. So the first thing is with an emergency fund, can we create a barrier? It's known as barrier financing, where intentionally make it a little bit harder. Maybe you put that emergency fund at a, at a high yield savings account. It's what a lot of people like to do. But I don't love doing that. And the reason for that is your emergency account should truly be for emergencies. Now, we're going to connect this to retirement income in a second. But the whole idea here is how can we be very intentional with every single account that you own? So in case of an emergency, could you put it in a high-yield savings and get a little bit more growth? Yeah, but but then when an emergency happens, you can't actually access the funds for a few days. So in my opinion, it kind of defeats the purpose. What if you didn't have an emergency fund, just high level? Well, you'd be more stressed. Um, you may have to put funds on a credit card, which is high interest, so that costs you even more. And worst case, maybe you have to pull money from a retirement account if you don't have it at all or any other funds, and then there's taxes and penalties. So why am I even bringing up these really basic examples? The reason I'm bringing it up is because there are some things that are going to change and some things that are not going to change, and here's how I want you to think through it. Let's pretend that you are retired and you're collecting $5,000 a month and I'll just say pension income, okay? So $60,000 a year, but you're hearing that going already $5,000 a month or $60,000 a year. I need $7,000 a month to do everything I want to do. So $5,000 a month is coming in through the pension or $60,000 a year, but really I need $7,000 a month or $84,000 a year. I say, okay, if that's the case, that means $2,000 has to come from your portfolio. Pretty simple so far. But now what happens if you lose your job? Well, if you lose your job, you're retired. So there's really not a risk there to keep the same amount you've had throughout your career in maybe an emergency fund or some other safe asset because you're retired, meaning it's not as if you're having to supplement income from your traditional employment, which would have come from the emergency fund before. The typical risk is you do lose your income. You need it to come from somewhere and you can live off of that. But now there are some expenses that are, of course, going to still be there. That might be a medical expense or your car dies and you need $5,000 right away or 10000 right away. And, and so you could just take that from your portfolio. So why do I bring this up? Well, financially, you might need a whole lot less in your emergency fund now because you are retired. It's, it's the ability to pull from accounts intentionally and not just saying, okay, why do we have what we have? Your emergency fund, why do you have it? It's really there to provide peace of mind. I recommend having a lower balance in your emergency fund than during your working years through the example I just gave. In addition to that, I have clients that like to break things down really intentionally, separate savings accounts for separate short-term needs, a new car, vacations, property taxes. It's just a way of spreading out what we'll call irregular expenses to normalize your cash flow. And then on top of that, you have your portfolio. And so this is where you're going to pull income from when you need it. Now let's take a step back to go, okay, Got it. I kind of understand where you're going with this already, but I'm not totally clear yet because you haven't really given an example on the portfolio and how much I need in cash. I'm going to go through that now. So the way I would go about it is the following. I'm going to give you two examples, some of which you've already heard, but I'm going to put an extra layer in case you haven't. So here's what I tell people. Let's pretend that you have a pension and that pension covers $100,000 in a single year. Okay, so 100,000 bucks is coming from the pension. And you tell me that you need 100,000 to do everything you want to do. 
say, great, how much other income do you have potentially from your portfolio? And you might say, Ari, I've got my 100,000 from my pension and I only need 100,000 to live, but I've got this other $2 million that's just in my portfolio. I don't really need it, but it could create more income if I need it to. I say, great, how much should we have in safe assets? And they'll say, Ari, I saw an article online that says 60-40, meaning 60% equities, 40% fixed income. But then, Ari, I saw another article and it said 70-30. You know, which one is right for me? And you guys probably know this already, but but I am anti-cookie cutter. And what I mean by that is I don't believe in having a cookie cutter solution, meaning you are this age and here's the exact portfolio you need. I say it has to depend because we just learned that this person has all of their needs covered by their pension, which means theoretically their portfolio could be 100% equities. Now they might even hear something like that and go, Ari, what on earth did you just say? You're recommending 100% equities. Did you not hear me? I'm getting older. I need to be more concerned. Conservative. And I go, oh, I heard you. But what I'm hearing is you don't need that portfolio in order to be okay. And they go, yeah, that's true. But is it going to go down 30, 40%? I'm not looking for that experience. I go, you're, that's correct. And if you're not looking for that experience, then we don't need to do 100% equities. But on paper, that's one answer. And it's the financial answer and it's not the life answer. And so let's look at a second person here. And the second person here, they have $100,000 that they need to live the life they want, but they only have 50000 coming from a pension. So as opposed to the first person that had all of their income needs met by their pension, the second person has half of them met by their income, by their pension. So now they have an additional 50000 that has to come from their portfolio. And let's say they also have a $2 million portfolio. Well, then guess what? The reality is they couldn't be 100% in equities more often than not because the last thing they want to do is have to sell things at a loss. That's what all of you are thinking really in the back of your head, whether you know it or not, is you don't want to have to go in to what you've worked so hard to accumulate, sell things at a loss to create income. So you're thinking, how much do I need on the side and just ultra safe assets so I don't have to worry? And here's the answer. The answer is the average market downturn is two to two and a half years. So that's on average. Now, if we look at averages, it makes life look really easy, but life doesn't just work in averages because you don't want to retire and go, oh my gosh, Ari, I was kind of basing on that two to two and a half years, but it's really tough time right now. You know, it's like a 2008 event just occurred and I retired at the worst possible time. And, and now am I screwed for the rest of my retirement? And the reality is yes, if you don't plan well, but you're going to plan well, so you don't have to worry. The way I look at it is let's have two to two and a half years in super safe assets but then let's double it. Five years of just call it core safe assets. So let's take this example. That first person, they don't need, theoretically, the person who has all of their income being covered by their pension and then a separate $2 million, they don't need a whole lot in what I'll say safe assets because their pension is covering what they want to do. Now, if they want to go take big trips or do additional amounts in the first five or 10 years of an early retirement, which is not uncommon, then great. Maybe we do want a little buffer there. But hypothetically, in this scenario, you don't need that. Now, the second person, remember, they only have half of their needs covered by the pension. So now they need another $50,000. That another $50,000, in my eyes, that if we look at an average, tells me that they really need, call it 100000 of their $2 million to be in a safe asset. That safe asset could be a CD. It could be a short-term instrument like inflation-protected securities. It could be money market funds. It could be a few different things. But if we're looking at this account and just going, that's the average, well, now you have a $2 million portfolio and only $100,000 is invested conservatively, which means you're hearing this going, Ari, 
I've got my pension, covers $50,000 of my $100,000 of needs. You're telling me only 100000 of my $2 million should be in, in what I'll call conservative, safe assets? I go, not exactly. That's if we look at averages, but let's take it a step further. We said we want really five years of core expenses there. So I look at that and I go, okay, if $50,000 has to come from the portfolio to supplement so you can have $100,000, of which 50 is already coming from the pension, that tells me 50,000 times five years means really 250,000 should be coming, in a sense, out of your portfolio to supplement lifestyle needs if we wanted five years of living expenses. So now you're hearing that going, okay, I've got a $2 million portfolio at a minimum, 250,000 should be in those what I call war chest or safe assets. That leaves another 1.75 million to be growing for you. That's the on paper financial answer. But then I'll ask my clients, I go, if you see your portfolio go down 30%, how would you feel in retirement? And some people go, Ari, I'm totally good with it because I know I've got a plan and you showed me my income, I'm gonna be okay. Other people go, Ari, you showed me I'm gonna be okay, but I'm not gonna sleep that well if the reality is my portfolio is fluctuating, like you mentioned there, 25, 30, 35%. I'd say, great, then let's find that right mix, but let's have an understanding of how much cash reserves you really have. Because some people come to me and they have a 60-40 portfolio. So in this example, if you have 2 million bucks, they've got 1.2 million in assets outpacing inflation or growing, and they've got $800,000 of what I'll call war chest or safe assets. $800,000. I mean, that's the equivalent, you can understand here, of 16 years worth of, call it, safe assets. 16 years worth of living expenses embedded in that portfolio which I would argue is unnecessary. Now, that's the financial answer. Once again, we always want to tie it back to the life answer, but most people, they reach out to me because they don't want to do fine. They want to optimize what they've worked so hard for. So ask yourself, how much do you want to spend and what does that spending look like? Maybe it's the first year, 100000 but really we want to add 10 years of travel on top of that. Maybe that's $20,000. Then maybe it comes back down a little bit. Maybe it shoots back up in the latter years of retirement, and that's called the retirement smile. You spend more while you have your energy and health, comes back down a little bit. Maybe it shoots back up in the other years. So what I ask my clients is how do you look at this five years worth of core safe assets and how are you framing it in your whole portfolio? Because you might have a Roth IRA and maybe you have a 401k, maybe you have an emergency fund. It's how can we put those in the right places? So for most of my clients, I'll say let's have a year's worth of living expenses just in the account, it might be a brokerage account, it might be an IRA, it might be a 401k of where we're pulling income from for that year. Then let's maybe have some fixed income that's providing a little bit more buffer. It's not going to grow like crazy for us, but maybe it's something like I-bonds or maybe it's something like inflation-protected securities or maybe it's something like T-bills, something that's going to be able to get us some good return, but we're not expecting it to, to hit out of the park. And we don't want it to because it's there to provide that buffer of income for the next, call it, two to five years. So you have your first year, just set aside in cash, you know, for that year where income is going to come from. And then from there, you say, let's have call it two to five years of buffer just embedded in the portfolio. Then anything beyond that, that we want growing for you. Not because, you know, we want extreme volatility, but because you want to really take advantage of compound interest, which works like crazy for you because of how well you've saved and invested up until this point.
So to summarize all of this, number one, understand and be really realistic. How much do you want to spend in an early retirement? And some people go, all right, I don't know. I haven't done it yet. You can see I have a YouTube video where I go through and actually give you a planner you can download to actually start to think through this yourself. On top of that, you now know how much you want to spend. What income sources are going to start right away? Is it a pension or rental income or social security? If not, what role should your portfolio play? And then I do a whole nother podcast episode on what I call asset location. You've heard of it before. It's not asset allocation, but asset location, meaning what types of investments should be in the right types of accounts. In this example here, if you have a brokerage account and you want to retire early, we're going to make sure the conservative assets are in that account because that's where we're going to pull from. We don't want it being extremely volatile. We need that money there for the next two, three, four, five years so that you can live the life you want to live, maybe before you can tap into some of your other retirement accounts, which don't become penalty-free and tax-free until 59 and a half. So we want to be really intentional and strategic about how we're looking at cash reserves, which once again, that average is two to two and a half years for a market to recover, to just get back to where it is over time. But you go, all right, what if it's not that? And that's known as sequence of return risk, which is a fancy way of saying, what if I retire? It's the worst possible time. I need to make sure that I'm going to be okay. I don't want to sell things at a loss. That's why we need to protect your portfolio through having the right amount in what I'll call war chest or safe assets. So that's a summary today from a mental accounting perspective. The accounts that most of my clients have is number one, they have a brokerage account. That's the account that helps bridge that gap until they want to be able to tap into their IRAs or 401 or Roth IRA or whatever account that they have. On top of that, my clients will have a checkings account, they'll have a savings account, they might have an emergency fund account that they can access, they're intentionally not putting it in a CD or anything like that. It's truly, if an emergency happens, they have the funds ready for that, but it's a whole lot less than during their working career because they don't need to rely on that income because if they really need income, they can pull it from their portfolio. So why do I get passionate about these things? Well, like that example I explained before, if you had a 60-40 portfolio with $2 million, do you really need 16 years worth of living expenses just sitting there waiting, not growing for you? That could be 500000 or a million or $2 million more dollars, which with just good intention, you could put to work to give more or travel more or spend more. I'm not obsessed with numbers for numbers sake. I'm obsessed with the fact of you getting the most out of your early retirement. And if we can use numbers to do so, great. Money doesn't solve all happiness, as you know, but what it can solve is a lot of good for the world when you do well with your planning. So I want to help clients do that. I've now helped over 250,000 people have more confidence towards an early retirement because of all of you. And if this podcast has been helpful at all, I kindly ask that you do leave a review. If you want a custom strategy, you can, of course, apply to work with me in the link below. And of course, I would look forward to speaking with you. Hope this has been helpful. See y'all next Monday. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Early Retirement Show. If you have a question that you want answered in a future episode, you can always go to my website, earlyretirementpodcast.com. That's earlyretirementpodcast.com. And you can go ahead and submit a question that I'll look to answer in a future episode. Thank you all for listening. Please do rate it, review it, and share it with someone who you think would benefit from this information if there's anyone out there that you know. I certainly appreciate it, and I will see you all each week. Hey, guys, it's me again. Please be smart about this. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as financial, tax, or legal advice. Consult with your tax preparer or financial advisor before taking any action. This podcast is for informational purposes only.